0: I met my best friend, Anne, in 1985. And the Babysitter's
1: Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now Now we're all grown up.
0: Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing book 58, Stacey's
1: Choice. Did any, either of you have the thought that this is the like most opaque title we've had so far? (laughs) I was like, what is she going to choose between? And then, spoiler alert, it's like the same thing she's always choosing between. (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit of a bummer.
1: I was like, surely it's not another divorce book, right? Yeah. <laughs> nope. It wah, is. Wah. Well, that actually is a bit of a spoiler, also for my one sentence summary. So I'll just give That's it away fair. now. I wrote: Stacy's parents' divorce runs her ragged again. That's
0: interesting. My one sentence summary also ends with the word "again." Wow. <laughs> I have the adults in her life fail Stacy again. Oh,
2: well, mine mine takes a different perspective. Right. It blames Stacy. No, mine is. Daisy's plotline is overshadowed by the children's mail order obsession. <laughs> I nice. mean, it kind of was. In my a yeah, little opinion. bit,
0: <laughs> a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. They ordered a lot of cool stuff. They did cool
1: stuff. <laughs> I um, that's actually really funny because I was thinking how we've been tracing how well or not the b plot and the a plot correspond with one another and in this yes. one I was like I, there's no connection but also the b plot was so central in this book I was like I'm no. I know what are we supposed to be learning about mail ordering like that yeah. that that after school special lesson was very unclear to me <laughs> mm-hmm. was that yeah, ghostwritten?
2: Sure. was this book ghostwritten? no, ghost no. this
1: is no, an amm mean. original
0: full yeah. and martin jam you can tell from all the random references
1: mhm <laughs> Oh, like when Christy is talking about the the tape that she ordered from the original artists.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. Time Life compilation. Yes,
0: <laughs> that was so Anna Martin for, so sure, for sure, for sure. So we t- have we talked about Fun Rock before. I had three tapes that I ordered, but that had the real original artists.
1: Mm-hmm. They were I, called Fun Rock. I do Rock. not know what Fun Rock is. So, Ann
0: and I listened to them to. All, they almost stopped working. It was like all these like 50, you know because the fifties were really big in the eighties.
1: Is no. it the the precursor to now? That's what I call music. Yes, exactly. But okay, but yeah.
0: it was but it was fifty songs, um, oh. and it had like you know, Alley Oop and Monster Mash was on there.
2: Yeah, and why? <laughs> <had> <laughs> Hello Fada. I mean, I, I can just picture Anna Martin listening to those songs so with her. Oh my god! On. Well, she's yeah, so I I think, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay guys we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast i'm Anna chicago a freelance writer i'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth
0: i'm esme schaller an adolescent psychologist kind of bossy but i have a big heart
1: and i'm emily crandall a feminist scholar i'm a total individual and i like health food not too bad not Not too too bad bad. (laughs) if you want to learn more about us and how we know each other please check out our prologue episode also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, drop us a line at stuckinstoneybrook at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstoneybrook. Ooh, man. You'd think I'd have that dialed in by now. <laughs> <laughs> but exciting news. We have a new patron to thank this week, Katie Cardigan A Ooh, Pizza Toast to You, Katie. Wait, thank that's you. her name?
0: Pizza Toast to Katie, I know, isn't it a great name? It's wow. a fantastic name. Really yeah, good. I don't know if it's a pseudonym or a real name, but it's
2: either way, A+. Plus. Yeah. Mm. Also, just when Emily said she liked health food for like the 80th time, mm-hmm. I was thinking about our little tortilla snacks we had before we all got on <laughs> yeah, the <podcast>. Health food. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey. But we all eat them differently.
2: Yeah. That's right? Mine are
1: like organic blue corn tortilla chips. I don't know. I didn't buy them.
0: Well, no, the important thing, though, about how Emily eats tortilla chips is that she doesn't often bother to melt the cheese. She just, like, slices a little piece yeah. of cold cheese and eats it with the tortilla chip. Well, it's like a cracker. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. I had a flour mm-hmm. tortilla with butter on it, and then I folded it in half. Delicious. Yeah.
2: Because I wanted
0: is, yeah. I wanted a carb. I wanted something that was, like, a little solid because I had too much tea this morning, so I'm a little jittery. And I knew I was going to get hungry while we were recording. <laughs> so. That was my quick carb solution
2: you're you're all ready to go now yep and how about you ann i just had some tortilla chips and i wanted cheese but the cheese is moldy so i just no. ate tortilla chips i feel like we were like on in, in snack
0: sink yeah yeah which doesn't always happen since emily's so negative about so many snacks
1: it's true oh
0: <laughs> what i love
1: snacks <laughs> i don't like candy it's too
0: sweet it's too sweet, it's too sweet.
1: Oops, I, raised, I accidentally raised my hand in rage.
0: In our podcast program, it says, Emily has something to say. And I was like, why isn't she just saying it?
1: You know what? Zencaster knows. Do we want to do a quick rundown of the plot?
0: Sure. Yeah. And why don't you start with the the mail order since that was so exciting?
1: Well, yeah, I
2: guess the B plot or, or the A plot is that the children of Stony Brook are really into mail order ordering lots of random junk from magazines which is exciting i feel in mm-hmm. the early 90s yeah for
0: sure and comic books especially lots of like unbelievable things mm-hmm. a lot of them order moon dust from the real moon there's only 20 vials
2: that were uh-huh. made and vanessa buys a bust enhancer or is it a mm-hmm. bus developer yep bust mm-hmm. developer yep There, uh, there's a slice and dice Mm-hmm
0: some wrinkle Uh, cream cream. crow's crow's feet remover Mm -hmm. there's like a tie tire like something to tie your necktie for you
2: there's a a stain remover Mm -hmm. Called poof but i don't know i i feel like this is my that's my speed i would definitely be into that totally yeah i mean we did do that you yeah, must, we did definitely. do that.
0: We ordered Otter Pop shirts from the Otter Pops box. Okay, we...
2: That's I ordered you. probably,
0: like, 15 Otter Pop shirts from the Otter Pops box and gave them to friends. But then I don't have my good one anymore, and Ann still has hers. That makes me very envious. And what else did... I feel like we ordered... Well, we ordered lots of things from the back of the Babysitter's Club books. We ordered uh, we got fan true. club stuff and the videos we ordered from the back of the books. Emily, by the time you were 12... you were no longer ordering things from things
1: absolutely not no yeah (laughs) not a once not one thing until i was like an adult living alone did i order but then i was ordering them online not through the mail right Mm -hmm. but it's also
0: like not like a cheap weird thing like there was a lot of stuff where we had to like submit box tops along with the like 295 yeah okay (laughs) so the a plot
1: of this book is (laughs) stacy's dad gets a this like crazy promotion mm-hmm. and there's a, a like a essentially a gala being hosted yeah, in like his honor in some fancy ass hotel there's mm-hmm. speeches and like a five course very frenchy sounding dinner and she he invites Stacy to be his date and then Stacy's mom gets pneumonia the same week and so she's completely torn what do I do who do I be there for and being Stacy she tries to do it all
0: yes good summary so what did you find in this book emily
1: is that all we want to say about the plot i mean yeah i I guess that's pretty much it
2: i do want to talk about the outfit she chooses to wear to this thing
1: (laughs) yeah go ahead jump in
2: because i was trying to picture it so it's a hot pink fake silk jacket which fell to her knees like a long
1: jacket Mm -hmm.
2: Uh new black leggings pink and black socks in a black bodysuit, and she planned to wear it with black flats. So she's basically wearing like a skin-tight black onesie mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a kink, Long, sulky pink silky coat. Yeah. yeah, Like I don't, I don't get it really. I don't think it's well. And it's the, the body socks
1: are really yeah. throwing me. Like, are they? there's are they
2: striped? No, I mean we don't know. This is pink we and black. don't know.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Do you think the bodysuit is? over the leggings or under the leggings
1: i mean typically over. it under <laughs> now i but i see think that's that moment, a moment yeah i think now it would be really weird because of the way they make bodysuits to wear a bodysuit over leggings but i feel like that's a dance recital outfit yeah yeah but bodysuits exactly. were
0: big in the early 90s you would just buy them at wet seal and just wear them
1: but mm-hmm. now they're now they go like up your butt
0: well they what i mean yeah they didn't go up my butt you mean all bodysuits are thongs now yeah basically
2: is this a weird generational thing
0: i know really? i i literally have not seen a bodysuit since 1991 so i didn't you're telling me that a there's a resurgence of body suits and B, yes they're all butt floss yes
2: <laughs> Okay, I yeah, I thought. And you work in beauty; you don't know about this <laughs> beauty. I mean, that's I mean, I can. Would we see, call that okay, beauty? <laughs> if you wore a bodysuit under, like you know, you wore jeans on top of them, I guess not to have VPL, you mm-hmm. would go for the the thong version. Mm-hmm. But I also feel there's bodysuits that are not; they're like full coverage. I don't know. Emily's I don't family. know where Emily shops, but <laughs> I. I mean, thongs, all the normal places.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite store, Thongs R Us. <laughs> Never heard of it? The Butt
2: Floss Factory. BFF. BFF. Oh, yeah,
1: there you oh, wow. Cute. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's some there's an opening there.
2: <laughs> anyway, I was confused by the outfit. I'm sorry. Yeah, there is. <laughs> is this thing on? Anyway, I just wanted to bring her for outfit because... Got it, it. it was confusing to me. But yeah if anyone has any intel, please write us. Either <laughs> about funny, Rick, oh, yeah. email.com <laughs> or just about the current state of bodysuits. Oh, yeah, that's fine. We're happy to hear more. We see, can put a poll up right. on
0: Instagram. Yeah.
1: Polling what? Like, what are the stakes of this poll? I don't understand. <laughs> what are the stakes <laughs> of any poll we've ever posted?
0: <laughs> We're literally three grown women talking about the babysitters club for an hour. <laughs>
1: anyway. anyway. Um, okay, so. I was gonna do a corner today. That's a little bit of a stretch, but
0: oh, good, mine too. (laughs) Great. I could not help divorce a lot already.
1: I know so much. I could not help but feel like the experience of the kids buying these things and then putting on this elaborate pageant to resell it just like Mm -hmm. screamed multi level marketing to me. (laughs) Like I, I was looking for. I tried to find data on patterns of mail order consumption and whether or not they specifically targeted, you know, people in certain socioeconomic classes or whatever. And it's like really hard to get clear cut numbers on all that stuff. And so I can't say anything definitive about it. But it seems to me like just from the the book itself, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's it's stuff in magazines and comic books, but a lot of the magazines that the kids are reading are not kids' magazines. They're like country living magazines, mm-hmm. like home Good Housekeeping, maker home magazines, parties, yeah. which are all targeted toward an audience of a consumer audience of housewives, mm-hmm. which tracks with like the broad kind of mid to late 20th century phenomena of the like sharp rise of advertising in general. And also the um, concentration of advertising as like a, massive industry with specifically soliciting housewives and like women with young children as consumers Uh right so this like problem of like okay we had you know in the 19th century women did productive labor in the home and then later uh with industrialization you have men doing productive labor in society and women doing unpaid reproductive labor in the home because that's, you know, the cult of domesticity where they're supposed to be. They do it for nature. And then you have World War in the US, right? World War II, a bunch of women enter the workforce and women start going to college. And then there's like a, a retreat, right? And, and a mass coordinated effort to like put women back women back in the home. You have the mm-hmm. like classic Betty Friedan, Feminine Mystique, like women are going to the doctor saying they feel depressed and unfulfilled and doctors literally write them prescriptions like stop reading books or like give them fucking tranquilizers right because the problem is that they're aspiring to like go beyond their appropriate station or their position and so it's like okay how do we so then there's this like this sounds like conspiracy theory territory but it's not right like there's this coordinated effort on the part of capital to like generate a class of consumers that's like women who have needs in the home right and the whole skit that is it buddy and Susie do about with like the broom or whatever it's like when i read their the dialogue that they wrote for that skit i was like oh my god i i mean that would that's like a line from like mona lisa's smile or whatever (laughs) right like (laughs) yeah
0: so wait let's actually look at this because it is really yeah it's their mother's helper play and it the gadget oh it's you know what it's this they used to sell these at the state fair and it's like a little thing oh it's like a it's like a glove dust cloth that's what it is but it's supposed to clean better than a vacuum cleaner
1: oh it's like right. a microfiber cloth but yeah, it's in the shape exactly. of a hand you put your yeah, hand in exactly. it
0: yeah exactly Great. so um Ann, do you want to be buddy Wait, or do you want to be actually
1: CV? do i need one of those <laughs>
0: yeah well you decide after we do this play it's uh page 125
2: um where do you want to start
0: uh i'll be buddy so i'm going to start with the question and then you just read the Susie lines. Does everyday housework make you feel tired and run down?
2: Oh, um goodness, I'm so tired. How will I finish my everyday housework and go to the office?
0: You could try Mother's Helper. It takes the work out of housework. Just slip Mother's Helper
2: onto your hand and cleaning becomes a snap. Oh, um goodness, I feel so much better. With Mother's Helper, I can finish my housework in half the time and it doesn't even feel like work. Yeah. I mean, I'm sold, Where do I get this.
1: (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, I was just thinking, though, that characterization, that casual of a characterization of the double day, right? That, like, Mm -hmm. women are supposed to... Now you're supposed to participate in the labor market, but also the home, the daily and generational reproduction of workers is also your responsibility, and you don't get paid for that. And how that gets mobilized as a marketing ploy to encourage women or to produce really women as a class a specific class of consumers who have consumer needs that can be met by the productive market and i was really struck by that dynamic and i and so basically what happens is right the kids buy a bunch of shit from magazines they're super into mail orders and then all the things that they buy start arriving and they're bullshit they don't work Mm -hmm. it's a it's like so much of a scam right the moon dust thing is like You get a, you know, I don't know, a a certificate of authenticity or something that says Mm -hmm. that this only 20 people in the world have this Moondust, but like 17 of the kids have ordered it. So at first they're like, wow, that's so weird that the only 20 people in the world who have this would be here. (laughs) But actually, it's the fucking tag they send to everyone. It's just some garbage from the ground, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, got it. And then they resell it. Mm -hmm. They try to resell it. They try to
0: resell it. Yeah. And they make this like roving medicine show. To go to all the neighbors and try it's to like harold it. hill yeah another music man reference good point it's very much like harold hill
1: so part of my takeaway from this book was that the specificity of the gadgets that they're selling and like how gendered some of the skits were but also just that model for consumption and like commodity purchasing mm-hmm. just reeked of Multi level marketing to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's probably the closest that the BSE is ever going to get to that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the kids get hooked on something and they're not hooked with the promise of getting rich, right? They think Mm -hmm. that they're getting something cool. And in fact, they think that they're like getting a deal. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, they suddenly realize that in order for them to have made a profit in some way, they're going to have to become salesmen. (laughs) And so I
0: was like, well, they don't want to make a profit. They just realize that what they actually want is yo-yos. And they don't well, have any money left.
1: I I think that they realize they lost money, mm-hmm. and so they're like, okay, we don't want to take a loss on this. I mean, yeah, they want yo-yos. They're like, oh, we thought these things would be cool, and now we're stuck with all these stupid gadgets that we have no use for, and what we really want is yo-yos. But I, I the sentiment that underlies their the organization of the traveling mm-hmm. roadshow is like, we got we got screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. I mean, so it, it just kind of reeked of MLM to me. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. this this could have been Christy's great idea number two, but she did not <laughs> see the oppor- the business opportunity here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was fun watching
0: them wait for all the things to come, though. I feel like I really, I I re- I've also related to this plot a lot, and but this is the division between.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, oh, it I is exciting <laughs> to get something in a in the mail when you're a kid. Hmm? Very exciting. sure.
0: I wonder if Anna Martin also thought of this partially because of her own experiences ordering things from, you know, like the ordering, like, uh, like the bodybuilding course. Right. That was another thing in the back of the book. But um, but I also wonder if she was thinking about it, because at this point they had been doing the fan club for like two, three years. And I'm sure she was getting thank you letters from kids. I was always very excited when the like fan club big manila envelope would show up in the mail. So,
1: yeah, I just thought it was interesting.
0: Excellent, Emily. Well, I, I have one actual thing to say, uh, like about like more closely related to the book. And then I also took a little piece and, and ran with it for my corner. So my actual thing to say that I'll start with is just Maureen and Ed and McGill need to step it up and freaking parent. I don't know why. Dude, what is their problem? Decisions. I don't like so what? She has pneumonia. She was OK. She was okay by the weekend. She needed to be like, "Bitch, get to New York and spend the weekend with your dad. I'm gonna rest and watch television." And Mrs. Pike is also, gonna be like, "Yeah, spend time away from my eight children and hang out with my friend Maureen." Like, how hard is it?
1: The thing too is that, like, she she's a pa- a single parent of a diabetic kid, and she was clearly not feeling well for multiple days, and she didn't do anything about that. Like, that's fucking that seems implausible to me. Right. I would think, given the burden of responsibility of care that she has with Stacy that the moment she started feeling poorly she would have mm. gone taken herself to the doctor
0: that's a great point that's a great mm. point
1: like why didn't she just go to the fucking doctor when she was I mean, like tired
0: I, I will say that's a great point and as someone who works with teens that are quite sick parents don't take care of themselves because they're so focused on the care of their child that they you know i work with a lot of parents who are like yeah i should probably go to some therapy but i'm too busy taking my kid to all of her therapy and so i'm not gonna do it so i think it's it's believable because yeah stacy's such a priority of the pressures right? yeah
1: yeah it just i guess the the consequences are so deeply ironic that it yeah, just seems totally. like a, yeah a, a no-brainer that if yeah. you're responsible for caring someone with like an illness like that, that you should be hypervigilant about your mm-hmm. own yeah. capacity to care for them, right? Because like your health uh, affects your capacity to be a caregiver.
0: Almost as if humans are not rational beings.
1: What? Um,
0: <laughs> but really, I was like, why was Stacy making a choice? Why didn't they just say, Stace, this isn't for you to worry about? Like you know, Ed has the ability to you know he's doing great. He can hire a nurse to stay with Maureen for like and four he days. did <laughs> and he did um, and they live in this super tight-knit community where like all of the mothers are happy to come over and take a shift, um, and no one's complaining about it. And it was already going to be like a week out from when she went to the hospital in the first place. They should have said, like, why do you think you have a choice here, Stace? It's not up to you. Why is she figuring out the six a.m. train and what? I mean, just ridiculous. So mad at them for not parenting.
1: Oh yeah, and that at at the the next morning, her dad says, "I didn't realize you wanted to get up that early or take that early of a train." It's like, well, she's thirteen. Like, shouldn't you have talked about that in advance? Like, that seems right. like a your problem, sir. Like,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah why was she making the plan what okay so i mean we've said it before but just the mcgills continue to be disappointing i'm like really guys get it together but what i really wanted to talk about was one throwaway line when they're going on the road show and the pikes are all hyped up and at one point this is on page 123 um our second youngest pike says i'll be the door ringer shouted Margot, sounding hysterical And then Mallory whispers, calm down with italics. So I thought we could talk about hysteria today. Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) Excellent.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hysteria is a poorly defined, quote unquote, illness that was solely attributed to women until Freud. And then he talked a little bit about, quote unquote, male hysteria, but not much. Um, so I thought we'd do like a little a little pop quiz about what we know about the history of hysteria and then we'll talk about kind of its its legacy today so again not a real mental illness not something that we still diagnose but what year do you guys take a guess what year you think hysteria was first described you each get a guess
1: I would say like sometimes in sometime in the 18th century I
0: was gonna say that too
1: it's a lot mm. earlier than
0: that, so I'm going to have you each
1: guess again. Okay, the 14th century, <laughs> and go earlier than that.
0: <laughs> Year 200. That's closer. 1900,
1: <laughs> 1900 BC. Okay. Oh, interesting. 1900. But BC, did it mean the same thing?
0: Yes. The Egyptians the ancient... described oh, the, Egyptians. Oh. the Egyptians described as a disease where the uterus wanders around the body. That's what hysteria means. It's like loose uterus. Mm. Um, and, um, that that would cause women to act crazy. And so you would need to treat it by getting the uterus back to where it goes. We'll talk a little bit more about that. You want to name some other civilizations or peoples that have described hysteria over time now that we know it started with the ancient Egyptians. All of them. (laughs) Most of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I I know that there's like this Renaissance tradition of casting, like anything that, threatens to disrupt the like rational order of masculinity as Mm -hmm. this kind of like feminine sort of curse that is unpredictable and that needs Mm -hmm. to i mean like machiavelli right like fortune is a woman and in order to conquer her you must beat her down right like that Mm -hmm. famous line that like the that luck and circumstance are innately feminine and thus need to be countered by the dominance of masculinity or something like that which i think Links to like a particular iteration of the treatment for hysteria, yeah, and then like witch hunts and all that shit,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Later, on, yeah, certainly, certainly, we could get to our our one of our patrons, Maya Rook, does a lot of stuff about the Salem witch trials, which is basically just like a big long treatise on hysteria. So there's mm-hmm. there's plenty, but yeah, the the Greeks talked about it, the Romans talked about it, uh, ancient like Maimonides talked about it, Hippocrates talked about it. Like we can go. Very far back, um,
2: what are some of the symptoms? I mean, I feel like we're going to describe the symptoms of PMS essentially. Go for it. Irrational, mm-hmm. uh, moody, sure, uh, cranky, mm-hmm. being <laughs> uh, mean,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. craving snacks. It can also be blindness. Fainting was a big one. Mm. Shortness of breath, heavy abdomen, fluid retention, loss of appetite. Hallucinations, being overly dramatic or excitable, mm. increased suggestibility, loss of sensation—sort of these experiences of um, anesthesia, like that doesn't correspond to the way the nerves go. So, like famously, they would talk about glove anesthesia, where you can't feel your hand, but of course your nerves run all down your arm, so there's no like medical condition that would mm-hmm. mean your hand would go numb and the rest of you, your arm wouldn't. Um, but my favorite one is quote a tendency to cause trouble for others. Mm. Um, <laughs> So basically anything a woman did that was not what men wanted her to be doing and the mm-hmm. literal, the m- more ancient definitions, but also up through the Greeks and the Romans again, was that the uterus was wandering about and you had to get it back where it was supposed to go. Basically all of the medical troubles of women was the fact that they had a uterus because that's like, why would you have that? It's a weird thing to have in your body, right? Um. So if they hypothesized that it had floated upwards, what they would do is they would put like a pungent putrid smell by your mouth and nose, and then put like perfume by your vagina to attract it back downwards. but if it was too far down, they would do the opposite. They would put the putrid stuff near your vagina and then put like the perfumes and the nice smells up top just hmm. get rid of cramps and it's like hmm, let me like, hang hey on a second <laughs> yeah, and then do you know what the what the the cause? other than the uterus wandering, like what made the uterus wander? The cause was thought to be the same across all these civilizations up until Freud. So what was making women hysterical?
2: I mean, so I'm thinking like what would make people think the uterus has to wander?
0: Well, so I will say my hint is that um, I could not be diagnosed with hysteria, but both of
2: you could. Oh, because we haven't had children? Not having had children? Yes. Mm -hmm
0: you Mm -hmm. obviously that's going to make you go crazy um, because that's the only thing women are possibly good for so it was very much like the 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 remedy and the prescription was Mm -hmm. marriage and childbearing
1: Mm Hmm. Um, Hmm. okay I just feel like there's so many examples from other periods where women get called hysterical where hysteria is offered as a diagnosis for what we would now think of as like postpartum depression
2: yeah that's interesting I mean, it kind of seems like a catch-all term just for whenever a woman's acting crazy
0: yeah well not even crazy it's like wanting to to vote you know <laughs> like wanting to keep their own money yeah i mean then the switch that happened with freud is he said oh no, no no it's not about childbearing it's about you know problems with the libido and actually these women are just undersexed, and the uterus isn't used appropriately. And so in the Victorian time, there's a very big focus, and this is where a controversy comes in, but there was a very big focus on basically like women weren't having enough orgasms. And that was what was causing hysteria. And I'm I'm going to post a few articles about this. There's like a bunch of advertisements about, you know, good doctors helping with like vaginal massage in order to fix the uterus. Um, But then there was a big book about this that basically made it like the Victorians invented vibrators and were obsessed with them as treatments for hysteria um by a historian rachel mainz and then it was like largely debunked so i'll post a atlantic article about that but it was um people loved the idea so it took like 20 years for it to get debunked because nobody wanted to mm. there's like a maggie gyllenhaal film about it and there was like a broadway play about it interesting so both I having like... a lot of sex and not having sex can cause hysteria
1: right <laughs> yeah i guess i just feel like the the political kind of connotation of it has to do with capacity for reason. Absolutely gets attributed to different dynamics of sort of physical sex in mm-hmm. different eras, and so like, yep. I think it's it's relationship to the specific fact or not of childbearing is a bit um, murky. I'm
0: just yeah. saying that's how it started in nineteen hundred BC. And mm-hmm. that was basically how it was for a long time. But then I think you know, starting in the you know, even in the Middle Ages and up through the Renaissance, it, you're you're probably right. It gets it gets murkier. But that was Damn. still the, the main central hypothesis about it. So, of course, not to not to make it too dark, but I'm also posting a great post from Planned Parenthood because, you know, you can just see the like very, very historical roots of misogyny. And this is not unrelated from everything that's going on in the U.S. now with Roe getting overturned and everything else. It's the same kind of like women can't be trusted to manage their own bodies and make their own decisions, Yeah. Any of that stuff. So
1: apparently um, irrational creature.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny sometimes to think about it. And there's some really good pictures that we'll post um of Victorian sort of advertisements and things about hysteria, but it's also miserable because it's still with us. Sorry to end on a dark note, but yeah. So Margot was being hysterical.
1: This is why we end with Anne. Yeah,
2: right? <laughs> it's not an accident, listeners. We're not Anne, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh, help us. Oh. Is there any? Okay, the Death Leopard album. Pistaria, yes. is there any <laughs> anything there? <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Yeah, oh, that was I Dr. mean, they Hill. probably write the album to make women feel crazy, oh, right? Oh. Mm. Yeah, or right is there. it social
1: commentary on the yeah. presumption that women would or ought to go crazy? Mm.
2: Mm. Is this is a spinoff. You that? think Def Leppard, the,
0: all the members of Def Leppard, identify as feminists?
2: Yeah, well also, I know, literally
1: about them (laughs) so
2: um i i looked up the lyrics to their song hysteria and (laughs) they refer to themselves as being hysterical Mm. not the women (laughs) actually the the lyrics are pretty funny it says oh i get hysterical hysteria when you get that feeling do you believe it it's such a magical mysteria so they rhyme hysteria with mysteria i mean that's a stretch (laughs) yeah that's really bad
1: yeah. It's really bad. Um, the lyrics are not
2: good. Just say that. No. But in My Little Corner, which <laughs> I got. Okay, a few things.
1: My Little Corner, My Little <laughs> Corner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Christy, I thought I LOL because Christy is writing a Sports Illustrated. Mm hmm. hmm. When she's shopping, and I looked up what it could maybe be. So, because it is, this was published October 1992. Mm -hmm. so i looked up because sports illustrated at that time was weekly Mm. so it could have been one of four covers but two of them were to do with baseball so i feel like it's probably one of them one was about the world series nice and one featured um someone on the kansas city royals named george brett and i have no idea who that is oh so you know all right christy is reading one of those yeah good call i also like how chris sorry not Oh, Stacy pointed out five people pass out glasses of water in crisis. Yeah, and I thought that I was like, "Yeah, why do they do that?" As we, as the most uh, the most medically uh, informed person here, don't know, <laughs> <I> don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's it's probably
1: more for comfort than for a <laughs> medical reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean,
2: a water does nothing to comfort you, though.
1: Well, okay, fine. I'll pause it. I think you're
0: you're likely to get kind of dry mouth if you get panicky like so it can it can also make you slow down
2: yeah and you if have you to like sit and take, sip second, and take a sip of water water okay, good, good answer I'll accept that pass pass. <laughs> I was great in my pass fail you guys pass Whew. okay you get to go on to the next round <laughs> exactly also oh deep thoughts which as you pointed out to me I had fun with that which Stacy's I mean Christie's one wasn't really a deep thought. She no, said, but they
0: capitalized D and T,
2: right? No, that's what I meant. But what yeah. Christy said to to for Stacy to say deep thoughts, Christy was not. It said something. She said, "Children are never boring." She's not wrong. I wrote is that, that a down deep thought here. though. Is that a deep thought? <laughs> yeah. It is not a deep thought. So deep thoughts. Was it sarcasm? I mean, the capital I think D, it was capital probably. <laughs> Just like in the pop culture zeitgeist at the time. Mm-hmm. Was- oh, is this in a a thing I don't know about? Oh, you
0: don't know about Deep Thoughts? Oh my God, Emily, you're you're gonna be so happy right now!
2: Wow. Okay, so Deep Thoughts was a recurring SNL kind of like it wasn't a skit; it was more like an interlude mm-hmm. between skits, huh. where it would just be like very calming, calm sounding music with like nice nature scenes. And then the writer Jack Handy would write all these ridiculous deep thoughts. It would say deep thoughts with Jack
0: Handy. And then he would oh. read a deep
1: thought.
0: Is this ringing a bell? Yeah.
1: No, I've never heard of this before my Oh, life. my God.
2: I'm so excited. Right. I mean, do you want but to But it read... gives a lot
1: more context for the... <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. And this was yeah. huge on
0: SNL at this moment.
2: Wow. So yeah, and it was between... Was it. It, it was between... It ran between... 1991 and 1998 on SNL so wow this is probably, definitely in, in reference to this, this yeah bit. do you want to read your favorite one as me the one about <laughs> Disneyland oh
0: <laughs> uh, yeah I have a few favorites but that one is a really really good one yeah um hold on I want to make sure I get the words totally correct um so yeah so this is my so again Emily picture like a like a fall path with, like, leaves falling slowly in the background, and then this is, like, rolling text over the screen with a guy with a calm voice saying it. One thing kids like is to be tricked. For instance, I was going to take my little nephew to Disneyland, but instead I drove him to an old, burned-out warehouse. Oh, no, I said. Disneyland burned down. He cried and cried, but I think that deep down he thought it was a pretty good joke. I started to drive over to the real Disneyland, but it was getting pretty late. And that's, like, the whole thing okay it, the it was getting pretty late is like my very favorite yeah here's another save one the best one for last and save the best one, one which one's the best one i don't the know one that's both of our favorites oh okay. the first one you sent
2: me earlier okay um here's that's another favorite good one of all time. anytime i see something screech across a room and latch onto someone's neck and the guy screams and tries to get it off i have to laugh because what is that thing <laughs> what <laughs> I don't understand this bit. <laughs> it's so good. It's so uh, good. Here's another one. <laughs> this one's okay. I feel like this one is good for the podcast. If I ever get real rich, I hope I'm not real mean to poor people like I am now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, do you want to do our our favorite one? That's me.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's my favorite of all time. Okay. So if you saw two guys named Hambone and Flippy, which one would you think liked dolphins the most? I'd say Flippy, wouldn't you? You'd be wrong, though. It's Hambone. That's
2: it? <laughs> uh, I mean, is it just, like, not funny to anyone else if you weren't, like, 13 <laughs> 1992
1: or whatever? I genuinely don't know. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the the live-action iteration of it, but... <laughs> I think maybe the, the
2: music or the scrolling <laughs>
1: leaves or something
2: is important. You know what? Yeah. You can have bodysuit thongs and we can have deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. I don't yeah.
1: wear those, <laughs> first of all. For sure. For sure. When have you ever seen me wearing a bodysuit?
2: I don't. You can, is that a shirt a bodysuit? We don't know. We no, can't it's a down crop there. top. Oh, okay. 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 All right.
1: Okay. All my shirts are crop tops.
2: <laughs> Um, so the last thing I was going to talk about is the, the Columbia House like music club, which obviously Esme and I are familiar with, but Emily probably not. Nope. Oh, wow. So,
0: I mean, 10 like, years reading, is a
2: long time, I guess. <laughs> I guess a lot happened in those 10 years. <laughs> so, it was this I mean, looking, reading about it and researching it for this episode, I was like, man, this. Was really cool, and it brought back a lot of memories. So you basically were able to get, I believe, eight CDs for a penny. Oh, some... I got, I got more than
0: that. I got fifteen.
2: You got fifteen. When I did
0: it. It started so, like, with tapes before that, but yeah, yeah, and probably records before that. But right you know, when we were doing, so it like
2: CDs. you would, you get this catalog, and you just like check the stuff you wanted, and then you send in like a penny or so. I think sometimes it was more money than that. I mean, you would just get all these CDs for quote unquote free. And it was like a huge thing and a huge, like a huge scam really. Now that I've like read into it more, I was not expecting this much like literature on the Columbia house music club. Was-
1: because Once you get the CDs, you have to, uh, if you don't resell them to like 25 other people, you have yeah. to spend yeah. 150 yeah. more dollars. Start,
2: like a traveling sale show yeah. with skits. You no, know, but basically, so when you signed up, they worked on something called a negative option business model, which is basically they would keep on sending you stuff that you had to pay for unless you told them to stop. Mm-hmm. So, oh. And right. So, it's so the
1: precursor to subscription our model, current subscription basically. model. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So
2: what's interesting is that Columbia House Music Club was really like a precursor to a lot of things. Mm hmm so there was a really big warehouse in indiana where a lot of the shipping happened but there was also like a corporate headquarters in new york which is like more of where like the record label was but it was like people who now are like well-known writers and directors worked at columbia house oh like, wow like, like, Sasha Frere jones the music writer worked there um there's like a whole AV club, really long transcripted interview with a bunch of people that we can put on the episode notes. That mm-hmm. is really interesting. But the CDs that they actually shipped out to people were not like the CDs you got at the record store. They were less qual; they were like lower quality, and it wasn't oh. the actually. You wouldn't get the same liner notes or anything. Huh. So it was kind of like, like they even put they tested the. Those copies versus record copies and like to the ear, they it's done the same, but they are like lesser quality. That's so mm. interesting. I'm
0: trying to remember like I did de- cause I definitely did Columbia House and successfully canceled it. And mm-hmm. I got a lot of CDs. I definitely like my Tom Petty greatest hits was from Columbia House. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Stuff. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I think some of them did just have like one page liner notes. And I didn't yeah. notice as a like teenager, Exactly. Because we yeah. didn't we didn't know what the real thing
2: was. But they also talked about this huge warehouse of college kids, like on summer like break, just like going around. Like, they like called it as like it was like supermarket sweeps, that they would just like <laughs> run around all day with boxes, like filling orders. Oh man! And one, so it's a precursor one, to Amazon. Yeah, and then one like executive was like, they they walk like twenty miles a day, like doing it all day. Yeah, just like walking around filling boxes. Wow. Also interesting, uh, in this interview I mentioned fr- from the A B Club, they were saying how CDs and the CD industry was just like a huge markup because CDs are not expensive. And we all remember how expensive CDs were. They were like at first like eighteen, nineteen, twenty dollars. Yeah. Right? yeah. And they probably cost like pennies to make. Wow. So what's interesting is they pretty much like there was also a BMG music. Type of club and there was also the columbia one but there were just so many cds just sending them out to so many people and it's basically that business model that also crushed the music industry because now all these people had digital files of this music and then when file sharing started to happen like napster and stuff and then streaming service it's just like people didn't to have- buy physical copies anymore so it's kind of like Um, what was the quote over here they said yeah it was an amazing combination of we are ripping you off like no one has ever ripped anyone off as per unit basis we're also building a time bomb that's going to flatten us forever wow Um, is that interesting i was like so uh, yeah
0: no i mean obviously we've all heard the you know napster and Mm -hmm. limewire killed the music industry thing but i i haven't and now spotify and everything else but i hadn't ever heard the link to columbia house yeah, it's just because it just flooded the market. somewhere yeah, compared it, it to it like people going CDs. into Tower records, yeah.
2: And they were saying how a lot of their customers were like in the Midwest, where there wasn't a lot of there weren't record stores. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was all these people just like buying CDs from them, and like then and thus just like I think they said, out of Booty and the Blowfish sold three million copies through Columbia mm-hmm. House of one of their albums. Wow. It's just, it's wow. pretty crazy. And also, they were working off the same model that artists are complaining about the Spotify now and streaming services, where those artists weren't getting a cut of the profits from any of that stuff. Mm. Um, so it's wow. kind of like, it's interesting because everyone who worked there at the time were like, that was like the best job we ever had. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we were all overeducated and they would just be like, how can we get Sonic Youth on the cover of the catalog? this one you know it was just a bunch of like and they also were all in bands or doing art on the side so they just like they had a team of like 30 writers to like make that catalog (laughs) wow which is just ridiculous so yeah that i mean i was like wow this really i wasn't expecting this from my research but it's very interesting
1: yeah (laughs) damn
2: one
0: of them said that they did Columbia they didn't call it Christy. House, it was Christy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you would even like tape a penny onto the thing yeah. you sent back. Oh, I literally sent an
0: actual penny. Yeah. The
2: actual mail. Yeah. Nope. Awesome. Never did it. Yeah. They said there were people who figured out how to like scam the system or like beat the system a little bit. Like one guy figured out he like stole over four hundred thousand dollars worth of CDs. <laughs> Wow. by having just I like, like a bunch okay. of fake addresses and fake names oh that um, makes sense yeah yeah, oh. yeah.
1: wow <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what a jam-packed episode
0: i know we got no. all kinds oh. of things did was there any candy
2: i feel like there were no meetings in this book yeah they stacy kind of just said the kind of stuff claudia had in her room
0: oh it's like a general list yeah. as opposed to what they're actually eating at exactly. the time
2: she I didn't mean, check anything good or i mean she did say ring dings and ding dong nice classic <laughs> satisfying when they name both oh i was gonna say when esme gets down to her like descriptors stacy did not refer to claudia as exotic yeah mm-hmm. i was gonna
1: say i didn't notice too many tallies that's exactly there where i was going to any. yeah
2: also um did you catch that stacy refer to mary like mary ann's mom yes and i was like that wasn't right yeah yeah and i was on page yeah. 109 i was like
0: yeah. and come on getting sloppy i know yeah <laughs> yeah we get one almond but no exotic a sophisticated a shy and two individual mm. um, so don was very individual in this book um and a social justice watch back on because the kids complain about getting gypped mm. from their all of their products and emily mm-hmm. said screwed earlier which is probably the better phrase to use nowadays Mm -hmm. but otherwise not much i did there were just like a lot of funny references like they they also talked about arnold schwarzenegger in the the comic books which was you know obviously long before he was our governor but i thought that was funny you mean Um, arnie schwarzenegger yeah exactly you're right sorry ann wait (laughs) i had that down
2: as a
1: weird line (laughs)
0: okay well good transition then what are your weirdest lines that you guys have there's a lot in this book <laughs>
1: but yeah a lot of like funny kid stuff mm-hmm. yeah um, that was my favorite one because it was an immediate repetition so like who is it margo or claire who does it or Susie or something like I think it's Susie. one of like one of the older kids says on arnold schwarzenegger and then her immediate repetition is mm-hmm. like to make it cuter and Wrong, <laughs> which I just really liked.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I have three, but well, okay. what, what are yours, Anne?
2: Um, well, I had one that I just feel like would go well with Stacy's choice, which is rife with drama. That was also one of mine. Very uh, good. I have, and Sherlock- that's one of the
0: times where she like explains. Like, I read that yeah. recently, and I really yeah. like it.
2: Yeah, um, and she a- uses it twice. She uses it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sherlock Holmes of fashion and mm. i also like when it oh it's buddy and he says it is very unbelievable uh-huh. when someone points <laughs> patsy pointed to buddy's paper bag what's in there she said it is very unbelievable was buddy's uh-huh. reply
0: yeah well we've got the lack of contractions again in this book mm-hmm. i was wondering if emily was going to complain about it but it's shorter than a super special so it probably isn't as bad
1: it was not as as noticeable either because yeah. there's so much silly stuff with the kids. Yeah. It's, it wasn't like the dominant kind of modality of kid dialogue, so <laughs> it didn't bother me as much. But there were a couple of times I noticed it.
0: Well, I had two others that I thought were really funny. Um, although I'm 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 for rife with drama, but I also want to make a plug for my last one, my middle one, which I don't think we should use, but which I really liked. Is Stacy is describing Don's sense of style as California casual, and she says we made up that term, <laughs> which- oh
1: good yeah we made that it's up like,
0: did you stacy did you oh no. um, and then i really liked when stacy's dad said i swan stacy
1: yeah
0: what so i don't
2: I've know what never, that is i, have I Googled never heard it
0: i have never heard it before in my life apparently it's a phrase that, like i do declare is like a rough translation of it i swan so he's like, I swan, Stacey. You were up and down and you weren't paying attention to my banquet I mean. honoring me. So I thought that that was really funny because I was like, dude, I, uh, there's no way. There's no way. I don't know. I'm wondering if it's something that like Anna Martin's dad said or something. Because it's a very old
1: thing. I mean, yeah, That's cute. Yeah. Maybe. I, I mean, I think Rife With Drama is probably the best bet, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm down
2: with that. Okay. All right. As we see, she's not... She's not- Sure, I'm
0: okay with it. That's my second choice. That's my second choice. I just what really... about Ice Swan is so weird.
1: That's all. Like... What about Ice Swan with drama? Getting <laughs> 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 deep breath with drama. That's fine with me. Do you want to oh. do Ice Swan? No, I. It's really fine. You know, I don't I, know, I, but don't I know feel like you're giving here. us
2: a little bit of attitude.
1: Oh, yes, <laughs> we could we could pizza toast to Ice Swan. <laughs> I Ice Swan? Pizza toast
0: uh, pizza. I toast. Swan. That's not good for swanning. They go to the mall again. I always like when they go to the mall. Um, Let's go to the mall, everybody. Go to the mall, everybody. Oh, oh! I also really liked the cab driver's sign.
1: Oh yeah, I let's pizza toast to that (laughs) shit. That shit is fucking legit. (laughs) It's very legit.
0: It's so New York. Yeah. So I know Dad wanted to grumble to our cab driver, but he didn't because the driver had posted this really defensive sign on the back of his seat, right in front of Dad's knees. It read, "Please be aware that I know where I am going." I know how to drive i have a complete grasp of the english language
1: booyah mic drop pizza toast to that new york city cab driver yeah fucking pizza toast to that new pizza york city cab driver <laughs> this episode of stuck in
2: stony brook is now adjourned
1: thank you to Anna and martin for everything stuck in stony brook is edited by emily crandall theme song written and recorded by gary schaller performed by the band kid kit You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuckinstonybrook. Lastly, if you're feeling deeply generous and you want to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for.